serve. Let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Almighty God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to join together this morning. We, uh, we're in awe of you, Father, and of your power of your, your holy name. Uh, we know, Father, that you have a plan for this world, you have a plan for this, this country, and you have a plan for us. And we pray, Father, that uh, you'll help us to be obedient and to be mindful, help us to be uh, uh, to be willing to uh, uh, to be led by you so that your plan can be imp implemented in our own lives. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be here again. Thank you for your love and your watch and your care over us. Thank you for the gift of your son. Uh, we cannot say thank you enough. And we know that what we have, we could not get on our own. Okay? Only only could get this because of what uh, what you provided through your son. And we can't. We say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, bless our families. Uh, bless our families as we move forward this this year and we get close to the end of the year and we get close to the holiday season i pray that you be with all of us as we uh, as we celebrate together and our families together bless us father as we uh, as we move forward thank you again for for helping us to get here to worship we pray our worship will be uh, will be pleasing to you and that we'll learn this morning some things that we need to do uh to apply to our lives so that we can be the very best we can be thank you father for the opportunity it's in jesus name we pray we're going to be, I want to go back to chapter 3 just for a minute. Uh, uh, I want to, there's a couple of things here that just the last, the last chapter, the last verse that I really want to focus on for, for just a moment. We didn't really get to it last week. Uh, but what we talked about was, is that I, I, I want you to, do you understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament was about? You understand that? that Jesus is the sacrifice that was talked about in the Old Testament. Everything that was talked about sacrifice, even when it was an animal sacrifice, everything pointed to one person, pointed to Jesus. When Isaiah's writing, when Ezekiel's writing, when Daniel's writing, when these guys were writing, and they're writing to, to us, and they're writing to the, to the people around them, they were writing about him. They may not have known him as such, but they were writing about a sacrifice that was coming, that was going to make it possible for me and you and us and all of us to have a relationship with the Father. Y'all understand that? Because what we just talked about yet last week, when it says, that, and the righteous died for the unrighteous, I cannot go to heaven. Period. Listen to me, God. I, you cannot go to heaven unless something dies. Okay? Something has to bleed for me to go to heaven. Thankfully, it wasn't me. Thankfully, it wasn't you. Thankfully, you know, and, and when you study the book of Leviticus and you see that everything had to be cleansed with blood, everything, us as well. So when you look at, at Acts chapter 22 and you look at, at what we just read here about baptism, and baptism doesn't save us, guys. You understand that? What saves us is the blood of Christ. We come in contact with that blood when we're obedient to Him. Part of that obedience is baptism. Absolutely. But like 1 Peter chapter 3 says, baptism doesn't save. It's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. It's the answer of a good conscience. It's saying, I love you, and I want to be obedient to you, and I want to do what you tell me. And, and part of that is, when Jesus said, he that believes in his baptism will be saved, and he believes in not will be condemned. You don't twist that scripture up and say, well, he didn't say it. You don't have to be baptized. Come on, it's at first, guys. You know, you're smart people. people guys, you're smart people. You know, it's, this is not rocket science. So when you look at this and you say, the righteous died for the unrighteous. Jesus was right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
says that he became what he was not so that I could become what I could never be. I can never be right. Okay? Jesus was not sin, but it says he became the punishment and literally sin on the cross is what he became. Okay? And when he said it was finished, he said that old system was finished. Done. When Jesus is transfigured before them in, in Matthew chapter 17, when he's transfigured, and they said, Oh man, let's build some, we'll build some, we'll build some tents for them, man. It'd be awesome. And he and the father says, Man, this is my son. Listen to him. You don't listen to Moses anymore. You don't listen to, to Elijah anymore. You listen to my son. That's who you listen to. Because he is the righteous for the unrighteous. Okay? And then I want you to look at the last verse. We didn't do this verse. I wanted to spend a little bit of time with it. Uh, it says in verse 22, Who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. What does that mean to you? To know that the righteous one that died for your sins went into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father for you. Okay? That, he, that all power, everything in power, is under his submission, under his authority. You know, I want you to turn to Ephesians. we got a couple of texts in Ephesians we're going to look at. Ephesians chapter 1 is the first one. Ephesians chapter 1. Some four or five books back. Ephesians chapter 1. It says in verse 22. Listen to verse 22. All right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What did he, what did he say he did? What did he say he did? What did God do? When he sat down at his right hand, what does he do? We know over in 1 Peter chapter 3 what happened. He, he, he became the authority over everything. What does it say here? What does it say that God did? Look at it, guys. What does it say? Put all things under his feet. Put all things in subjection to him under his feet. He's, everything else is beneath him. All right? For what reason? Look at what it says there, guys. Look at what he said. He said, appoint him to be head over everything for the church. Now, we know that part of that, what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, when you connect that dot, it's all powers. We're going to see that in just an, in another text. We'll see it in a minute. My, my, the reason I'm pounding this is, well, let's look at chapter 3 first. Look at chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, just one page over, look at one, chapter 3. And listen, listen to, look at chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, and what does it say next? That is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What is it saying, God? What did this text say? I have the power. Okay? Now, it's not talking about, this is not talking about the, you know, that I'm going to, you know, raise demons and I'm going to stop rivers. That's not what he's talking about. I have the power to grasp God. I have the power to grasp how wide and high and wide is the knowledge of him. 
You know, there are people out there. I told you this before. I went to a particular church right a long time ago. Went to church in another town. And I went there and I was sitting there and, uh, and I sat there with my family. Uh, my wife was there, a couple, you know, probably all three of our little boys, my mom. And I sat there and, and I'm listening to this guy. And this guy's got a bunch of letters behind his name. P's and H's and D's and MD's and all kinds of stuff. He got all, I mean, this is supposed to be a really, really, really intelligent guy. And I'm sitting there about halfway through, and you know what I decided? How is this guy so stupid? How can he not be any smarter than what he is? And how can I be smarter than him and know some of the things I know and he doesn't know things? Because what he just said was a lie. I don't know what it was anymore. I don't remember. But I'm thinking, and it made such an impact that I never forgot it. Forty years later, I still remember and I still tell it to the classes that I, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I'm not this smart. Guys, I'm not that smart. You know, I know how to work with tools, and I can work with my hands, and I can build things and fix things, but I'm not that smart when it comes to all the numbers and everything. But I knew better than he did. How did that, how was that possible? Because of the power that was at work within me, that I could understand things that he didn't get. I sat across the table, me and Richard Rendon, sat across the table from an from a educated, religious man. And he knew, man, he was smart. You know what he didn't know? He didn't know the basic tenets of the book. He couldn't find Matthew in the book. He knew a lot of stuff. He couldn't find Matthew in the book. I had to help him. I had to walk around his desk and flip it to Matthew to find it for him. He couldn't find it. Wow. How in the world is this possible? How is this possible? It's because the power that is at work within us through the Holy Spirit that we can grasp. Look at what he says here again, guys. Look at what it says. That... Uh, Look at verse 18. And I pray, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That means all of us. If we belong to him, then all of us have this power. Have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Unbelievable. I have the power to understand the love of God. And the power to understand how God... You ever, you ever been around some people and you thought... Wait a minute. How, how do I know this and you don't know this? How's that possible? You ever had that pro that happen to you? It's happened to me on numerous occasions where I'm looking and going, I don't understand. You should know more. You should know this. You should know what I, what this is talking about. You should understand what the what the what the love of God means. You should understand that. And today, people are running so fast trying to create their own gods that God isn't good enough. It's not good enough for them. If you understood the power that, that God exerted in Christ, look at what he I mean, it says at, at the end of 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that, that uh, who has gone into heaven is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers of submission to him. He has put all the things that we're in conflict with. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. I think it's 5 or 6. 6. And, and look at the, at the war that we're involved in. It says our, our fight is not against the flesh and blood. My fight is not against the, the preacher down at the other place down here or over here or, or you. It's not about that. My fight is not against my fight is against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realms, what it says. And where and who took their power away? Jesus did. He did. So if Satan comes knocking on my door, I have the power to resist him. Why is it that we don't then? Why is it he knocks on the door and we open it up and we think because we got the chain on the door that nothing's going to happen and he sneaks in underneath the door. And now he's got you. How did that happen? 
if I if I would just tap into the power source of Christ and God and understand what the Spirit is willing to do, and you know, and I don't want to make any of you uncomfortable, okay? It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just telling we haven't we haven't ever really be decided we are gonna be who God created us to be. That we have the we have the power to do this. Hey guy. Come on and sit down. We got chairs right here if you don't mind sitting in But nobody wants to sit up here. <laughs> we just aren't willing to let God do what he needs to do. Is he trying to do ourselves? You know, I mean, if you go back and you read the book of Exodus, okay, and you just read you just read some of the stuff that happened. And you read how Moses goes up on the mountain and and then they call the, the elders, the 70 elders from Israel, they call them up. And they go up to, to commune with God. And it says they saw him coming on a street of, of sapphire. Can you imagine? Can you, you know, and I'm looking at at, at, uh, at Peter. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's, and he's dazzled. Okay, he's dazzled here. And yet, just a few short time, a short time later, what is he doing? I don't know that SOB. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to tap in. So he was having a problem with it too. So we're not alone here, guys. All right, we're we're still trying to we're still trying to navigate all of this. I understand. I just want you to know how important it is that we understand what our position is here. This he did for the church. You know who you are. You know who you are. You're the church. If you've been washed by the blood, and if you've been, if you if you committed yourself to Him, been baptized into Christ, and given yourself to Him. And you're striving to follow him and become his disciple. If that's what you're doing, then he's added you to the church. If you haven't, then you we need to talk. Then we need to talk. We need to sit down, and I would love to talk with you and visit with you and study with you. So, because I don't want you to be outside the realm of the church, I want you to be inside the realm of the church. Because that's where you know in Exodus. Remember, I said that a while ago in Exodus, in chapter 12. When, when the plagues are coming upon Egypt and Moses, uh, God is sending one plague after another after another, the last one is the what? What is it? The death of the firstborn. The death of the firstborn. And what do they have to do to make sure that that plague doesn't infringe upon their lives? What do they have to do? Uh, so, somebody. So, go ahead, Charlie. What have to blood of the door. They have to put the blood on the door and on the, on the doorpost. They have to put it. It has to be a specific kind of blood, right? can't be just anything. You can't go get a pigeon. That wasn't good enough. Couldn't go. Couldn't go kill a beaver. wasn't good enough. They have to kill the, what he tells them to, and you have to cook it a certain way. So this was not just. This was not just the putting the blood, but the blood was important because something had to die. Okay, and he put it on the doorpost. And what, what did the death angel do when it came? That's Where's the blood now? Where's the blood now? What building is it on now? It's on the church. Not a, not a building, not a physical building. It's on our hearts. We've been washed. So when God adds us to the church, the church gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Not a building, guys, okay? I mean, there's a lot of nice buildings in town. There's a lot of nice church buildings in town. They're nothing. They're nothing. The only way they're something is when people walk into them, if those people are in right relationship with God, okay? And God's power through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, into us is what accomplishes that. We ought to act like it, don't you think? Don't you think we ought to act like it? Don't you think we ought to act like we've been washed by the blood? Don't you think we ought to act like we are God's children and powerful? We can do anything. Can. You know, we can accomplish things that, that other people don't believe you can accomplish. We can accomplish things. What what do you think that God would, and we're going to talk about gifts, you know, maybe next week. What, did, what do you think he, he expects from us? What do you think he expects? What does he expect from you? 
to love one another. To love one another. He, we're going to talk about that. You know, probably next week we're going to talk about that again. You know, what, what is he? Does he expect us to go out and save souls? Does he expect us to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Does he expect? Well, I don't know the Bible that well. Well, maybe that's your problem. Maybe, maybe you need to study some more. Don't you think? Maybe, maybe that's the power. You can sit down with God and say, God, I, I don't understand it. Give me the power to understand it. And what do you think God's going to do? You think he's not going to give you the power? Or you think there's going to be things that, you know, we were talking, Bobby and I in our class were talking the other day, and we were talking about whether you look at the commentary, and I said, I try to stay away from them as much as I can. And I said, because sometimes, you know, it, when when I study, uh, and, and just like a light goes off, and I understand exactly what something's saying. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to stay away from it until I do understand it. You know, and... You know, but God's power is at work in different ones. All of us have different gifts and different talents, and we're going to talk about that when we get there in chapter 4, because just early in chapter 4, he's going to talk about it. But I wanted you to see what is at your disposal, okay? When you walk over there this morning, and you're going to worship this morning, okay? And you're going to worship together. Charlie's got the communion thought. Robert's going to lead singing. Different guys, I don't know who all, you know, last week, Connor. Did the scripture reading a couple of weeks before Mason did it, and a couple of weeks Scott's going to do it. You know, these guys are the you know, we're going to get to a worship, okay? A God who has the power to fix your life. Maybe your life didn't fix because you never turned it over to Him. You think that's possible? You think every time the door there's a knock on the door and you open the door and Satan smacks you right in the mouth, you think that 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 maybe it's maybe well maybe I need to learn to quit opening the door. Maybe I need God to help me learn how to quit opening the door. Maybe I don't need to do that anymore. You see, there are things that you can learn. I talked to somebody the other day. I called him and hadn't been here in six months. I called him and said, man, and we got to talking and we just talked about some stuff, different things. And I said, I want to tell you something. I said, we're family. Whether you've done something that you feel is bad or whatever, I don't care. I said, I want to do this with you, without you. I want you here. So we can do it together, not apart. It doesn't fit well, it doesn't work well when we're trying to do it apart. God's given us the power in the church through the Holy Spirit and through each other to be to be awesome and do some awesome stuff. And we've done some awesome stuff, and we're going to do some more awesome stuff. But you know what's awesome of all? is taking someone from the dark and getting them to the light. That's powerful. That's powerful. When you see someone walk in that I know I haven't seen in, in 20 years, okay, and I see him walk in today, didn't know who he was until he walked in, and I said, I know that guy. I've seen that guy before. And to know that his family is coming here because he steered them to come here. He steered them. You know, that's power, guys. That's power. And that's, a, that's, something, that's something I want us all to be a part of. Now look at chapter 4. Okay? I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have had a problem this week with some folks in the world? How many of you have had a problem with some folks in the world? Go ahead and raise your hand. You've had a problem with some folks in the world. Okay, I want you all. Now, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I want you to look around. Look around. How many of you just see there's, what, 35 people in here, 40 people in here? All right. And there's there's about 15, 18 of So about half. And that's the only ones that have the courage to raise their hands because they think they're on they think they're on, on camera, all right? Probably most of us would have said, yeah, I had a problem with somebody in, in the world today. I didn't ask you if you had a problem with someone in the church. 
I said someone in the world. Okay? That shouldn't even be a question I should have to ask. That should be absolute no. I didn't have no problem with someone in the world in the church. I know that's that's not gonna happen. Anyway. And so as we read this over the next couple of weeks, I want you to see it doesn't make any difference what kind of problem you have. Okay? Doesn't really matter. Look at what he tells me to do. He said, therefore, what does he mean when he says therefore? Go look at back at what we just said. That's why we just spent the last 15 minutes dealing with that. Okay? Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, all right, would you say that Christ suffered in his body? Yeah. I, I talked to my class Friday night, I mean, for Wednesday night, if those of you are in here, and, uh, and we were talking about Peter, I mean, Paul being captured in Jerusalem and being gotten by the Romans, and, and it was after he got beat up by the Jews. And I asked him, I said, do you really know what this looked like? Now, I want you to picture in your mind what this looked like. And I asked him, I said, you ever been in a street fight? Good old-fashioned butt-kicking fight, that kind of fight. You ever? It is ugly. And, and when you see this, when Christ, since Christ suffered, now we, we have this image Christ suffering on the cross. We got this image of him nailed to the cross, and and you know, and it's and he's and he's always, you know, it's it, there's always blood and stuff. We got that image. I don't think we really ever go to. If I even bring up the movie The Passion of Christ, half the people in here go, oh, 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 you know, then you wouldn't have been able to be standing there when it happened, because what you see in what you've got in your mind is nothing compared to what it was like. And you, I think you have to understand that to understand what he was willing to go through for you. What he was willing, to, what he, what kind of punishment he was willing to take. So when you hear that he suffered on the cross, that word doesn't do it justice. You got to really get into the text and say what happened here. He got hit in the mouth. You ever been hit in the mouth? I have. You know what happens? If they don't knock your teeth out, okay, your lips gonna be puffed up and you ain't gonna be able to eat for about a week. Right. That's what's gonna happen. He got hit in the mouth. Then they beat him on the head with stick with sticks. After they put a crown of thorns on his head, thorns are sticking through his through his brow because they're long thorns. They're not little thorns. They're long thorns. Not like we sash and mesquite thorns. These are long thorns. He suffered, guys. Isaiah fifty-three, where the Ethiopian eunuch was reading in Acts chapter eight, was reading that text. Of and he said, "Who is this talking about? Is this guy talking about himself, or is he talking about somebody else?" And Philip gets up and says, "He's talking about somebody else." And he begins at that scripture and preaches unto him Jesus, teaches him about Jesus from that scripture. The next verse, you know what the next verse says? The Ethiopian, you know what he says? What does he say? Here's water. water. Here's water. Why can't I be baptized? And my question is, why did he know he needed to be baptized? How did he know? Because Philip told him that. Because Philip told him that. So, you know, when you look at Jesus and understand Jesus suffered, and there's a part of my obedience that includes a, a different kind of suffering. But I want you to look at this. Look at what he says. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in this body is done with sin. Okay. Now tell me what you think that means. Tell me what that means. I'm going to read it again. Let me read it again. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in this body is done with sin. What do you think? What kind of suffering? Now I'm not, he's not gonna, God's not going to ask me to go to a cross. Okay, that's not what he's asking me to go. Not a literal cross. What is he asking me to do? You may have to suffer in this world. 
If you stand up for right, and you stand up for truth, and you stand up for godliness, guess what's going to happen? You're going to come across people in the world that are not going to like you very much. Right? And what might they do? They might cause misery to come in your life. But a person who's willing to do that is done with sin. I'm not going to react in kind. I'm not going to respond the way they do. I won't do that. Because that person has made a decision in their mind, a decision in their heart. I am done. He said, wait a second, I'm done with it. doesn't mean I'm not a sinner anymore. If that's true, then 1 John's a lie. Because 1 John chapter 1 says that if I say I have no sin, I'm a liar. And the truth's not in me. I have sinned. But I'm done with that lifestyle. I am not going to respond. If someone in the world, you know, if I, I, I was looking at the news this morning already, this morning. And in Florida, there are two guys in jail. You know what they're in jail for? Attempted murder. You know what they did? They had a road rage incident on the highways in Florida. They're cutting each other off and shooting, flipping the bird at each other. And they and they jump out. They stop, pull over, jump out. And one of them pulls out a gun and shoots at the other car. And the guy that gets shot at looks down and sees that his daughter got a hole in her leg. So he jumps out of the car and unloads his clip in the other car and shoots the other guy's daughter in the chest. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to deal with people in the world, guess what you're going to deal with? Craziness. They're, you know, if they cut you off, keep driving. Keep driving. You got to have a gun to be a nut job, you know? You know, if you're going to deal with people in the world that don't have the same mindset as this, don't have the same attitude, because remember, you're supposed to have the same attitude as Christ. What would, what would Christ do? He's willing to die for that person. He's willing to die for you. He's willing to die for the people in the world. He's willing to go to, he's willing to, go to the cross and do whatever's necessary. And if I have the same mindset, I'm willing to do that, then how are people in the world going to, how am I going to, how am I going to focus on them? How, what are they going to be to me? Opportunities. I remember what Booty used to say. He said, he said, man, we're not here to judge them. We're here to teach them. It ain't even our job to save them. Our job is to teach them the truth. God's job is to save them. But we have to present him to them. And you can't do that if you act like a nut. If they act like a nut and you respond in kind and act like a nut, guess what? You're not going to be able to teach them. You're not going to be able to teach them this. You won't. Because then you're going to look like every other person out there. And you're not going to look any different. So our job is not look like a nut. It looked like, it looked like Jesus looked. How, what was he like? So when he came in contact with people, did he retaliate? Did he respond? Did he do it? You know, no. So he said, have that same attitude. Have the same attitude that Christ had. And then be done with it. Be done with sin. You're going to deal with people. And, you know, guys, please forgive me when I don't, when I don't fulfill this. Because this is really hard. Because some of the nuts you're going to come in contact with are really nuts. Okay? And it's really tough sometimes to respond the right way. But I had this individual tell me, he said, he said, I, I feel like that if uh, if people knew what goes on in my heart, they wouldn't want me here. And I said, let me tell you something, dude. If y'all knew what went on in my heart sometimes, you wouldn't want me here either. And he said, no. You know, we're not God's guy. We're just human beings trying to put one foot in front of the other. That's all we are. But, you know, the point is, is we have to have start working on that mindset. I'm going to work on that mindset. And then listen to what else he said. As a result... They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. 
For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans used to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on them. Yeah. You see, they are living in a, in, a, in a state of constant separation from God. What is, a, what is acceptable to people who live in a constant separation from God? Everything. Everything. Anything that your heart can conceive of is, is okay. Okay. And he said, you're done with that. You're supposed to be done with that. If you have the same attitude, you're supposed to be done with that mindset. Right? Isn't that right? So how do I get there? What do I do? How do I get there, guys? How do I get there? It's a process. It is a process, Larry. It is. It's a process. And, and tell, tell me what the, what's part of what the process is. Well, learning how to deal with people who are nuts. Okay. You know, learning that you can turn your back. Mm -hmm. You can turn away. You don't have to react to what they do. And it's sometimes it's a little bit humiliating. You know, some guy presses you and you don't press back. That's a little bit humiliating. But it's a process of learning how to react to different situations mm -hmm. that come up every day. And sometimes it's going to work out well. And sometimes it, it is. Does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's, it, it, so it's a learning process. For me, the first process is you make up your mind you're going to do it. Okay. That's how it is. First process, make up your mind you're going to do it. Okay. You have to make up your mind you're All going right. to do it, and then you go about figuring out how okay. you're going okay. to do it. All right. Hey, but Vincent? Pray uh, in the morning that whatever's coming at you, God is already going to be with you. To get you. Okay. So you pray in the morning. Yeah. Pray, God, help me to be the person I need to be this morning because there's going to there's going to be some evil stuff out there that I'm going to have to come in contact with. Okay. Uh, what else? And and the and the Bible, if you spend enough time in it, will teach you absolutely how to react absolutely to different situations absolutely. But it, like I said it's a process. You yeah. know, once you realize that what it takes to become a Christian, if you become a Christian. Doesn't mean you know everything. No. By any no. It's a learning process. I mean, you're you're a baby in Christ, mm -hmm. and you've got a long way to go. Absolutely. So, you know, I got to learn more. I got to make a decision. I'm going to do this. How else? How else do I do? I, do I apply this this attitude and this mindset and walking away from the lifestyle? How do I, great, learn, Dan. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> that's you know, it's guys. That's hard for us to do. Because our problem is we got testosterone. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but that's it's just a fact. We have testosterone, and, and it makes us crazy sometimes. Right. can make us nuts. You know, and we got egos sometimes the size of the Empire State Building. Right, guys? Please don't leave me hanging out here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes, you did. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. My son said, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that but that causes us to make mistakes, and we have to learn from them. It was very humbling to make that phone call the other day and and listen to someone in real time in real life really struggling, and knowing that that he's not any different than I am. He just made some different choices. That I, he chose he chose to isolate himself, walk away, and go go back over here and not do this. And I said, man, I don't want you doing that. That's not that. Being alone is not healthy, okay? Being with other people who think like you do, it makes it easier to do this, all right? Being around people who you have to give answer to, all right? That they have, they have, uh, 
they have some not control, but they have some influence in your life, and so you so you go to them. That's why he tells us to confess our confess to each other. You know, man, we're we're a you know we're we're long ways from where we need to be. Really, most of it. I look around, right, man. We're all, aren't we? Aren't we? Yeah. Please, y'all go like this. Right. I'm not alone here. Right. Yeah, but but he said you've spent enough time doing these things, doing the thing that they do. You know, I mean, if you go to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one talks about God turned them over to a depraved, a reprobate mind. Okay, that and, and they and they approved of all this nastiness that people were doing, and they even they even elevated those people, elevated them into a place of prominence. That people that did that, and he said, "Guys, you're supposed to be apart from that. You're supposed to be done with that. Can't be a part of your life anymore." You know all the stuff that he. You know, I mean, look at this. You know, I mean, it says uh, uh, they do what doing what pagans should do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. Yeah, you know, and then they're surprised you don't join in with them. You ever? I, I've I've not had a job in a long, 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 long time. I haven't had a job ever since I've been a Christian. That I was that I had a whole bunch of people that were pagans around me uh, in a workplace, but I I dealt with a lot of you that have, okay, and the and the the stuff that you have to put up with the, the, the criticism and the and the uh, the making fun of and the poking fun of because you won't be, you won't get involved in certain things that they want to do. I've, I've had that I've talked about people numerous times, and I had I didn't have to do that, but I had I had four four hundred thousand customers come to my shop. All right, over the years, I was in I was in business for 50 years, 40 years. I had to put a sign up on the on the wall. Y'all know what that sign said? No profanity. God doesn't like it. Neither do I. And I had one guy. He could not say a sentence without 15 customers. Couldn't. He just couldn't do it. And you know, my problem when I was young, that's my wife. I could not clean my mouth up for nothing. I just couldn't. I didn't care what my mother-in-law thought. I didn't care what she thought. If I went to her house, she didn't like it. Hey, I'll go home. It's fine. I'll go home. I don't care what you think. This is how I talk. If you don't like it, then I'll stay home. And I'll take my grandchildren with me. I'll take your grandchildren with me. You know? I didn't care. I, I looked at it. I, this is who I was. And then he comes over and he starts start that. And I stood right underneath that sign. And he kept. And I, and I looked around and I said, you see that sign? I said, please don't do that. Please. I didn't have to do it many times, but I had to do it a couple of times where I just said, you know what? I don't want I don't want to listen to the nonsense. Because because it was too tempting to be back where I was. You know, and I said, no, I'm not gonna do this anymore. You know, look, and he says, and they but they will have it says they are surprised that you not join with them in the reckless wild living and a heap of you. Why are they surprised? Why are they surprised that you don't join in with them? If that's what you're doing, if that's what you found yourself in this place doing, why are they surprised that you don't? That you don't do it? Maybe it's because they haven't seen you do it before. Maybe they they've seen you do exactly what they're doing before. Now they're surprised. Well, what what happened to you? What did you get? You become a holy roller or something? Mm-hmm. You know that what you became? My uncle called me that one time in front of two of my boys. I think it was I don't I thought I think Paul was too little to be there, and uh, he offered me a beer. I said I don't I'm not going to drink that. I said I don't drink anymore. He said Oh I forgot you're one of the holy rollers now. You know I mean that's sad enough. It comes from someone in the world, but it comes from your own uncle. When it comes from my mother's brother. <laughs> You know, and I know I know the, the I know him, and it was derogatory. It was sarcastic and derogatory, and it and it meant to cut me in front of my children. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to knock him out of his chair. That's what I wanted to do. We had, had me and my brother had had a confrontation with his son-in-law 
about uh, two years before that, and that's exactly what almost happened. Me and my brother almost had a fight with his son-in-law, you know, over something stupid before I became a Christian. So it wasn't that far removed from when I, I you know, that was something I, you know, wouldn't have had a problem. Go ahead, Tim. That's probably what he wanted. I don't know. I, I think I think if I'd done it, he'd have shocked him. But I, you know, and it, it wouldn't have accompanied. It would have made me in front of my boys look about that big, you know. And that's what would have happened. And I didn't do it. I didn't even think about it, but more than once, you know. And I, I just after I was on my way home, I'm going, that was degrading and humiliating for him to do that to me. But then I read and I start reading this stuff, and I say, no, 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 this is good. Yeah. We didn't feel good at the time. It didn't feel good at the time he was doing it. It did. And it's not, you think Jesus, Jesus going, man, this is good, man. Oh, something, man, I like this. I think probably there for a, for a moment, but not so hot. You know, you don't think he's hurting and he's struggling. Oh, yeah. But then he sees all the people. He sees them. He's hanging on that cross. And he says, Father, what? Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's where he got to. Got to that place. He said, it's finished. He gave his spirit up. And he knows that in, a, in, a, in just a couple of days, he's going to rise out of the tomb and everything's going to change. And then I, you and I can stand here and we can be connected to him through the, through the blood, through that blood that he just shed all over that cross. Isn't that amazing? I want to be better. Don't you? I want to be the best I can be. Yeah, Dan. Uh, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. Do you hear what he said? Hurt people, hurt people. That's right. That's what hurt people do. So when hurt people hurt you, because they've been hurt before. Most people that you deal with and you counsel with, they've been hurt before in, in big time ways. And they lash out and hurt you at each other. When you have marriage problems, usually it's something that happened before. You can trace it back to until you get to that place and can dig it up. But, you know, we're going to pick it up in verse 5 because this the verse 5 talks about the punishment that's going to come. And then we're going get, to get on into the rest of this chapter. But, you know, just think about it, guys. He, he tells us to have the same attitude as that of Christ. Things are going to happen in your life you're not going to agree with. Things are going to happen you're not going to be happy with. Things you're going to, you're going to do, you're not going to be proud of. But you keep going forward, keep straight, looking forward towards the cross, and understand that he has the power to fix your life. You don't. We'll see you all next week, guys.